Welcome to RCS. I'm Nick. I'm Dan. Recording live at the Mount Sai Tavern. Yeah, um, dreams do come true, people. Yep, you work true. hard enough. You know, uh, being a small farm boy from the Palouse, I always knew someday. We did the big time. Yeah. Not only are we broadcasting from the Mount Sai Tavern, it's closed. Yeah. And we're in the tavern. They don't know we're here, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> it's a big parking lot. It is. We snuck over the fence. It is. The door was unlocked. It's not, it's a, it's not a high fence. <laughs> it's not a high fence. But We'll uh, talk more about how that happened. But first, we are brought to you by Avance, Curter Subaru, Haggerty, of course, Rainier Beer. Yeah. Oh, you want me to tell the story? Yeah. <laughs> I had a rough weekend. Yeah. How are you, Nick? <laughs> uh, I've had better weeks. Um, I It's been so nice here, you know, and we have, uh, you and I have those electric skateboards. And mine <laughs> put me in the emergency room this, weir- this week. Oops. So, hey, we warned people about that. I went to the store and I was coming back and there's, you could not write this for Saturday Night Live. There was a little squirrel in the middle of the road. <laughs> I decided to swerve. <laughs> And, I mean, thank God I had all my safety gear on, and thank God they still give out hydrocodone at the emergency room. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm scraped up, and I, I, put, I fell all my weight on my scapula, and, but they did a scan. Nothing's broken. I don't fully believe that because I'm still having trouble breathing, but, you know. um going to bruise some ribs, man. You know what really helps? Drugs and a beer. <laughs> so yeah. I'm driving, so yeah, everybody's you know, Dan's aware. driving. I just, you know. <laughs> just, I, I we should point that out. I didn't take my pain meds before I came here, but, um <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah it's it's been it's been rough you know and i called my mom and i'm like the best part was like and i want to say this and it sort of pissed me off i laid on that trail for probably 15 minutes and people drove by me like i was off the side of the road but there's a lot of people that saw me there and nobody stopped so well they're used to seeing people pass out on the side of sidewalks around here Yeah, but you could tell because there was a glove then the remote then the board then my jacket another glove the helmet then me i, I there was a large debris field so um Next time I'm aiming for the squirrel, so I'm a little I'm a little squirmy tonight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. they're, they're they're finding positions to sit and things like that, and it's been it's been fun. But uh, I had one of my safety gear on, and um, it was. But yeah, yeah, I had a runoff because of a shit. rabbit. I yeah. got I got lucky. Uh, yeah, I had a rabbit come out in front of me on my board, but I was able to slow down enough and then run off the board without tumbling through it. But I mean, yeah, I was not able to run off it. <laughs> we I remember that episode clearly. We said like. You gotta have safety gear. This is not like just slowly riding a longboard path. Well, the funny thing was, I'm like, I got up and then I rode the board another three miles home, which I had to look like a zombie because my shoulder was all like down, and like nobody was really looking at me. And I get I get back home and my leg hurt, but I didn't think about it. And so I called my parents, like you know, a good forty one year old person does, and said, "Mom." <laughs> so she said, uh, "I said I'm gonna drive myself in the emergency room." My dad's like, "We'll meet you there," and they got me in there and they. They, they asked me to put on a robe, and I, I've got road rash pretty much down the side of my thigh. I didn't know it was yeah. there. So. Um, but, uh, you know, lesson learned. I had, I will have to get, I'll need a new helmet. I fully yeah, you took out my helmet, which is good. You know. That's what it's there for. Better your the helmet than thing, your skull. funny thing is I've got scrapes on my hands, but I was wearing gloves. So I'm not really sure how that happened. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, oh, no, I wasn't wearing the watch. I thought about that too, but um, yeah, that would have been even worse. So, well, I mean, I've gotten road rash on motorcycles through through gear tons and tons of times. Like you'd be surprised, just the the friction between the material and your skin. It holds your skin on, but it can hurt a lot. The worst thing is, I was I was sitting there, and and you know, it hurts. It knocked the wind out of me. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah. And I'm sitting there like half crying and half laughing because I'm listening to the noises that are coming out of my body. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like like a wounded mule like and, I, and i'm trying to like laugh like not laugh at myself 
And then I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I'll call Dan. And I'm nope, I'm going to get up and ride myself home. Oh, it was just, it was horrible, but um, <laughs> lesson learned. And then the worst part is it's been really nice the last few days. And I'm like, and I've sort of been in the house recovering. So it's been, yeah. <laughs> lesson learned, I guess. Oh, man. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. That's, you know, that's. God, we're getting too old for this. What did you say? Where I sent Dan a text message. I'm like, ask me how my night was. And I showed him a picture of my leg and like my medical bracelet. And he's like, we're old and feeble. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> we're old and feeble. So It hurts more now, man. God, it does. It's, it's recovery too. It's yeah. like, you know. It takes a lot longer than it used to. You know, I understand now my grandparents would sit there. My, de- my grandfather would be like, I can't get comfortable. I'm like, oh boy, do I feel your pain. So, yeah. I was working out today and I was just doing uh, just the windmills for range of motion. And yeah. it was just like snap, crackle, pop. And I'm like, I'm not exercising. I'm just moving my arms. <laughs> like all those years of riding motorcycles and playing outside and hurting myself are coming to haunt me. The part that I had to laugh about the most is um, I'm, I'm having trouble like, getting up and out of bed like I'm, yeah. i figured it out now because my back is like that so the first night i couldn't or the second night i really couldn't sleep and so i went out on my couch and you know my couch there, there's one yeah. part that comes into a recliner so I, I got myself in the recliner i'm totally comfortable and somehow in the middle of the night the recliner had unplugged itself so i get up in the morning <laughs> and i'm laying on this recliner and i'm hitting the button and it's not doing anything so then there was a 15 minute thing of like me trying to roll out of the recliner <laughs> and not hurt myself or fall on the floor <laughs> or get like you know i'm gone it's like yeah, okay, yeah, learned the lesson. And then, of course, I had to figure out how to plug the recliner back in, which is under the Christmas tree now, and I had to disassemble, disassemble my train and everything. So I, I, I laid on the ground for a while. So it's it has been live entertainment, um, you know. I'm waiting for the, the, the phone call. I've fallen and I, I can't, can't get, get up. up. You about got it. I was about to drop a pen where I was and been like, come get me and take me to the emergency room. This, but this, this, one's, you know, this will tell you how freaking cheap I am. So, and I, again, I'm not suggesting any of this. So where I live in Sammamish, above above Metropolitan, there is an Overlake Swedish emergency room right there. Yeah. So I call up my my people at Kaiser Permanente because that's who I have my insurance to, and I'm like, hey, if I go there, wh- you know what she's wh- what's the cost? And she goes, oh, don't worry. And she goes, it's only a thirty percent deductible if you go there. And I'm like, nope, I'll drive to Bellevue. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got a, I've got a rental uh, Carter Subaru uh, Crosstrek that's got all the eyesight, so I just let it drive me to Bellevue. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that was fun. Well, there's that whole new wave of people that'll like uh, order an Uber instead of an ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, it's just a gunshot wound. <laughs> she goes, it'll only cost you 30% if you go there. Never mind, I got a Bellevue. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Need, need to save, save money for beer. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I did love how when I sent you that text, you weren't at all shocked. You're like, are you okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm sorry. Oh, I've crashed on my board before. Absolutely. Oh, I've crashed on your board before. Right. Yeah. Into a bush. <laughs> into my, a bush. My house. Yeah. Yeah. I ran my head into your neighbor's bush. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Take that for what you want to say. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, our Carter Subaru tip of the week doesn't really have anything to do with that, but <laughs> safety is important. But safety is important. Wear your gear. This is why. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we were. Uh, we mentioned. We talked about it in the last episode. We did a bunch. We've been doing snow wheeling almost every weekend. Probably not this weekend. So your back doesn't like. <laughs> so you can walk again the next day. Yeah. But uh, I had a bunch of ice build up under the truck, all over the place. Ice, and uh, you could hear it every time the suspension moved. Um, I don't know. You, you, you yeah, know I did me. hear it. We, you you we, heard yeah. it, yeah. yeah. And so one of the things I usually keep in the car, and I totally forgot, uh, for that reason, not for the reason it's designed, is de-icer. And when you do a bunch of snow off-roading, you're going to get a bunch of snow in places that can uh, jam up on the inside of your wheels and the inside of your brakes. And it actually can be a bit of a safety issue when it's all over your brakes because it'll slowly melt, but you'll basically have wet brakes all the time. 
until it melts off. It happens pretty quickly, but... Uh, and you can throw your wheels off balance, too. Yeah. yeah. It can't we actually happen to somebody to pull over and knock the snow out of their wheels. So one quick trip, if you have de-icer in your car, which I think you should, uh, it's great for your windows, but it's also good for spraying on your brakes um, in a pinch when you need to get the, all the extra snow off your suspension bits, stuff like that. You're gonna It'll wipe off anyway. But uh, yeah, quick little tip. Just always carry de-icer with you when you go snow... Uh, snow wheeling because one you can if you get stuck you can get iced up and it's a really quick way to de-ice but more importantly it's more than just your windshield it's really good on your uh, really good for quickly thawing your suspension now that said you got to wash it off <laughs> you don't want to let that stuff lay on anything it's terrible but this is like in a pinch when things are gummed up and you've got balance issues with your wheels because of it, it's all gummed up in your suspension this is a quick easy fix besides laying on the ground and getting under there but just make sure you wash the inside underside of your truck yeah. Or That's whatever you're driving. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah. Super yeah. quick one, but <laughs> I, I usually always have it, and I've used it for that a lot, and it's been great. So, anyway, we should probably talk how we actually got to the Mountside Tavern because we didn't I, actually I don't jump give away over our the fence. Secrets. I mean, it was more of a, a, a carry a ladder. This so. is sacred ground for me. I know, right? I <laughs> so, you know, this is, I mean, it is a little surreal. I'm if you're if you're from the Northwest, you've driven by this place. I don't know. I've driven, my whole life I've been driving by here. Yeah, it's iconic. It's literally, what, 30 feet off of I 90? Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, I started coming to the Mountainside Tavern when we would come back over from Spokane when we first moved here. And my dad and I would stop in here and we'd have a beer, just one beer, before you get home. And it's just a, it was a, a fun place. I don't think I've ever seen a more lively, fun place as far as the eclectic uh, individuals that uh, frequent the tavern. So Yeah, this is our kind of place. If you know Nick and I, this is our kind of place. And we, yep, we're not leaving. Yeah, we travel to places like this. <laughs> we've made a destination I go to places like this. We went to the Brooklyn Tavern, which is the most remote tavern you can get to, and this is a lot closer to home, and the same kind of good people and good place. Yeah, but this place doesn't have the trough you can pee in. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> at the bar. At the bar. Yeah. So, well, until yeah. you can spit in it, you can't piss in it. That's yep. what she said. Yeah. But <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> We're a slightly classier establishment here. We are with the very cool owner and who is a massive motorsports enthusiast. And if you are from the Northwest, you probably crossed paths and didn't know it. And that is David Wheaton. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Thanks for buying this bar. Oh, man. I'm <laughs> so glad I was able to buy this bar. <laughs> I love this bar. I love this bar. Uh, we should I, write a country song like that. We should. It's yeah, our okay, kind of place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have every single, like, we literally, it's like, bingo. It's like, yeah, we have, we yep. have truckers. We have, yep. we have. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I love this yep. place. <laughs> I yeah, mean, you are next to a quick truck stop, so you probably have a few other fries of people occasionally. Yeah. Oh, we have um, <laughs> all sorts of different entrepreneurs <laughs> that work. That's a really good way to put that. I like that. Throughout yeah. the valley, providing <laughs> services. So us. He means us. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. bartenders, cooks, yeah. Uh, entertainment, yeah. such as yourself. Right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. So. Well, let's back this up a little bit. I mean, because like Dan said, uh, people know you kind of from the racing world, but where did you come from originally? Air Force brat, grew up, moved around a bunch. My dad retired when he had finished up his career after being in the military for almost 30 years and decided to move back to the hometown that he grew up was Monterey, California. And so... We know it well. We yeah. Yes. And so my dad was from Monterey. My mom was from Pacific Grove. They met at the junior college there, Monterey Peninsula College. And then went off into the Air Force. And so they had bought a house and had been renting the house out. And they decided when they retired, they were just going to move back there. So I grew up, my dad was in Kiwanis. And so he would, uh, their Kiwanis club would sell programs at Laguna Seca. Oh. And my dad 
being a car guy, he all in the throughout the entire Air Force, the entire time I was alive, about for ten years of his Air Force career, there was always a car in the garage that he was working on. And he had uh, an old Austin Healey. He had a Porsche 356B, 1960. He had a 65 Mustang. And he would buy these cars, and he would do absolutely everything to it, except for the paint in the interior. But he would rebuild the suspension. He'd rebuild the motor, and it would take him two, three years. And then he would drive it around for a couple of weeks or months, and then sell it and that was that was his it was about, it was about the project to him not necessarily owning the car always about the yeah. project so then all of a sudden we moved to monterey <clears throat> i'd loved cars been growing up around cars and going to car shows and doing stuff like that and so now all of a sudden we were selling programs and so my dad being a car guy and other guys in the club some of them didn't care uh they would sell programs on like the uh Thursday and Friday, we would sell the programs, and then they would sell programs on Saturday and Sunday. But then that way, we would get tickets, and we could go on Saturday and Sunday during the race. Ah, okay. Yeah. And so that way, we wouldn't. We'd only get two tickets. You get a day. You get a ticket for every day you work, basically. And so we would go burn, load in, and practice, and then be there for qualifying race. And so uh, IMSA races and and uh, all sorts of different things like that as a kid. And so. Uh, seeing the champ car race because October champ car that was the end of the race that was the end of the season I mean like you're watching guys the pass and on the corkscrew was for the championship at the end of the season it's like it was it was a cool place that was a little bit different time too because they were racing cons- like most weekends at Laguna oh man and that doesn't happen now with everybody no, I mean, no they now there's around. five weekends a year where you can get sound and all the if you don't know and I kid you not what basically has happened is all of these places have moved in next to the racetrack and built these houses. People have moved into them and knowing they moved in next to a racetrack and are now bitching about the sound. Oh, yeah, dude. Those people suck. Oh, yeah. dude. No, it's, it's, it's so bad. So what it was is in Monterey, you have the Monterey Airport, which is a cute little airport that nobody can afford to fly in and out of right. <laughs> unless you like own your own plane. Like yep. Everybody that lived there, you fly out of San Francisco or Oakland because no, it was cheaper to fly... From San Francisco to Frankfurt than it was to fly from Monterey to San Francisco. Yeah, we because we, we, we always used to fly into San Jose. San Jose, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you would never. So when they started and they extended it and started getting bigger planes at Monterey, all of a sudden they were getting bigger planes that are coming in faster, so they had to change where they were landing. So the airport ended up having to pay to put soundproof windows in all of these homes because now all of a sudden... So this was going to be the flight path, right? So then, well, one of the house, Dan, one of the house we stay in in Monterey, yeah, has those win- yep. windows, yeah. So yeah, because we're, we're right by the airport, yeah. Yep, yep. Okay, and yeah. by the golf course over there on the, the Navy golf course. Yep. Well, on the other side was Laguna Seca golf course. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, like swamp and the gun range mm-hmm. from yep. Laguna Seca, because Laguna Seca is a park. It's not a racetrack. It's a park. Yeah. That has a racetrack. Yeah, it just happens to have some nicely paved pavement. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah. So then this developer comes in, starts building all these million-dollar homes, shows them to people on non-race weekends, mm-hmm. yep. and then all of a sudden people go, wait, whoa, WTF, we can't yeah. be doing this. So then once they built that place, that place, because the, they had so much money in the homes, were able to get the planes rerouted again so they didn't go over them. And the city had to pay for a bunch of other just normies to get soundproof windows in their homes. And then all of a sudden, 
we're having to run 91 decibels. California's street legal is 92. There are street cars, like the Subaru, WRX, STI. The intake, stock intake would set off the sound meter. Oh, yeah. You can't run stock Z06s. You can't run stock uh, GT3 RSs. There's a bunch of stock cars from the factory. They're perfectly street legal but can't be run at Laguna Seca. It's pretty crazy. You know, with that, let's take our first break. It's actually time for our first break, and then uh, we'll be right back. We spend an average of 8 hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens. Laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. And we're back. I never want to leave. I know, me either. Yeah. So we were just talking about before the break, uh, sound. Sound. Sound in Laguna Seca. Sound in Laguna Seca. It it takes me off every time down there because I love going down there and I love the racetrack. But it's like if you move next to racetrack and you complain about sound, you're kind of a terrible person. Kind of end of story. He did bring up that point. I didn't think about that, that they were showing people these homes on non-race weekends. But But the Pacific Raceways. They run into it too. These people bought homes for $30,000 because... You're attached to a race. Tra- like literally, there's a chain link fence in their parking lot, and all of a sudden, one day they're like, "Hey, that's uh, that's loud." It's yeah, like, no, it's yeah. always been loud, dude. I didn't yeah. realize that. We were out there. We were helping Carl actually for the Avance magazine for the shoot for this year's, and we were only allowed to go around part. We weren't even allowed to do the whole track because yeah, because it's um, because we 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 were parking cars on the track mm-hmm. and taking photos of them, and they wouldn't even let us drive all the way around. So, yep. oh well. Yeah, that stuff drives me nuts. <laughs> Short drive, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I mean, you, so you grew up, so you, you you grew up around the country a little bit with your dad, or around the world, kind of with the Air Force. But you, when he settled down, you guys were working at the track. And did you help him work on these cars? Like always, were you, were, you were always, always. there. Okay. I was always in the garage. And then my first car was a Nissan Patrol. Oh, that's the the truck. The truck, yeah, right. Well, yeah, yeah. it was it was it was like the little SUV. It was a nineteen sixty nine. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we registered it as a 1964 because there were so few of them and they were so rare. And I've already checked the statute of limitations on this story, so we're good. Um, <laughs> uh, California had done that. We're going to do a 25-year rolling window of no emissions, but they never rolled the window. So at the time, 1967 was the cutoff. So if you had a 67 vehicle you didn't have to do emissions. And so it was a 69, so we registered as a 64. They couldn't tell the difference, and yeah. we didn't have to worry about emissions. So what it was is it looked like a bastardized version of the Toyota Land Cruiser. Yeah, it's like an FJ40 plus Jeep. And a, and a, and a Land Rover. Yeah. And so it had the flat fenders, mm-hmm. and it had the little removable metal top, and it had the fold-down windshield. But this was actually the first Nissan. They were still making Datsuns. It had the same motor as the Datsun 240, but instead of being overhead cam, it was just overhead valve. <laughs> cam and block. Okay. Uh, Three-speed, four-wheel drive, transfer case, and the e-brake was like this little miniature reverse drum brake that clamped around the drive shaft. The drive shaft, yeah. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> car didn't weigh that much. Oh, no. Oh, and no, so yeah. once we got it, blah, 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 later in life, it was nice and running and stuff if you left it in gear with the e-brake on touch the starter it would just come to life and crawl over anything in its way just be like god 
damn it, gotta go get that back. <laughs> somebody get the car back. Yeah, somebody. Because you'd be in a parking lot and it would just grow over every parking thing. Just dunk, 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 dunk. Wouldn't stall and it would just. Oh, damn it. Um, the car's trying to run away again, Mom. <laughs> but so the thing had been sitting in my mom's sisters, my aunts, like back field area, hadn't run. The head had frozen and popped a hole in it. And uh, so they said, my dad bought it for, bought it off of her when I was 15 and a half. And he said that if I wanted to drive when I'm 16, then I should probably get to work. And we didn't realize how rare this thing was. There yeah. were only eight of them left in the state by the time I had it. So you I weren't f- exactly going to go out and buy a parts car then? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I found two pistons at my local dealership. They just happened to be on the shelf. You <laughs> pop the hood, you just pull them right out. Yeah. Well, pistons yeah. probably cross over. It's the, it's the other stuff that doesn't, No, right? they were, pistons were weird. All sorts of... We found pistons on a shelf in one place in uh, Ohio. We, we had to find pistons from all over the place. And then on some... Because this is late 90s. Oh, yeah. So this is some internet pre, you know, AOL chat room type stuff. I, I found out about some guy out of San Francisco that was a total... Total, total uh, Nissan Patrol head, and he had one. And so we started talking, and he had a bunch of parts, and he's and mine came with a whole bunch of parts in the back, but it didn't come with a head. Well, he had a head, and so he hits me up and goes, "I want, uh, you know, what do you what do you have?" And I'm like, well, "I don't know. Why don't you come? T- I got all sorts of weird parts, <laughs> but I need that head." Like, yeah. So he drove the head down. Him and his wife came down, and he starts going through all my parts, going through all my parts, and he goes, oh, duh, 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 duh. are those a set of axles? And they were brand new, new old stock rear axles. And I go, uh, yeah. And he goes, boom, I'll trade you straight across for the head. I'm like, oh, okay. Can't use them for bar- barbecuing anymore, Dad. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, so all of a sudden we get a head, get the pistons, put it all together, get it running, clean it up a little bit. Think it was a champion. Well, um, 16. It's 1996. So. God, you're as old as we are. I know. So you're all the same age as Yeah. So all of a sudden it's uh, doing burnouts on the way home from school. <laughs> on its own, of course. Yeah. Straight yeah. until they do Dude, that. Straight up. Yeah. Just one legged, one tire fire. <laughs> well, then I'm a button pusher. That's how I like cars and electronics. It's like, you know. It doesn't have an eject seat, you know. It doesn't have a, 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 a you know, self-destruct. Mm-hmm. So, what's this button do? What's this button do? So, I experimented with a clutch kick. Okay. On tires that were already on, like, my third or fourth burnout. So, they were warm polyester tires. Oh. And I clutch kick and just... Snap. Snap. Did you snap the axles you needed? The rear axle. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> You're like, I know a guy who has those. <laughs> and uh, so I call the guy up, and he literally just starts laughing on the phone, and no, won't. And so uh, I'm totally screwed. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, another thing, if you snap an axle, four-wheel drive, just put it in four-wheel drive and drive yourself home on front-wheel front drive. Front-wheel drive, yeah. So, yeah, we uh, had a buddy that did that outside a bar. He did a burnout in his Chevrolet truck and had to drive home. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Brian. Yep. yep. Um, I had a buddy do that in a blazer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, <laughs> pretty much Chevy's. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> My dad being from Monterey pulls the axle out, drives over to a, f- uh, farm town called Watsonville. And that's where a we, lot of, we've art- been through Watsonville. Yeah, a lot of yeah, artichoke yeah. fields. And so yeah. they've got tons of machinery. Yeah. Really bumpy roads. Yep. Yes. They do. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, uh, my dad takes it over there and 
hey, can you weld up this axle? And the guy's like, sure, it's going to break again, but I can weld it. The guy ended up welding that axle for me like three or four times. <laughs> and it just kept welding it, welding it. And it just kept snapping and snapping and snapping. And, snapping <laughs> and he just kept welding it, welding it, welding it, welding it. Because you kept doing clutch kicks. Oh, hell yeah. No. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, you didn't, you didn't change your driving behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. So one day it caught on fire because I learned. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Oh, so one day I learned that going through the tunnel in Monterey, Going into oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Which tunnel? Huh? <laughs> um, going to that tunnel. Man, I got another good story about that that I've already checked the statute limitations on that one too. Um, <laughs> but we're sort of going through the tunnel, and I would turn off the ignition, but leave it in gear, and it would just load the cylinders up with exhaust with gas, yep. and I would turn it back on, and it would boom, <gasps> kaboom, like potato gun status. What's wrong with you too? I've never even heard of that before. Not <laughs> working on a Subaru. <laughs> uh, no, but it'll work on the Triumph. Oh, okay. yep. oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it won't recover from it, but it'll yeah, work once. Gonna, sounds like a really good way to send the head through the roof. Yeah. Like, and so uh, I'm doing this, and it's and it's awesome because you can you can do the boom, but you're mobile. You're already going. You don't. Yeah. You, 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 it's almost impossible to get caught. So, in the course of doing this, the car starts to sound better. So <laughs> I assume that it was knocking out the packing of my glass pack. What it was actually doing was knocking out the donut off the exhaust manifold. <laughs> oh. And so now it started to have an exhaust leak that was really, really hot exhaust gas right off the manifold. And it ended up melting my harness. Oh. So Highway 68 by the racetrack. Yeah. In high school, I'm dating this girl that lives up in this gated community. And it had this magnetic uh, gate. And I found out with my, because I'm a button pusher, I found out that if you bump it with your Jeep or your Nissan Patrol and it breaks the magnet, it just opens. It thinks, oh, the magnet's been released. I'm supposed to open. And the thing would use its own motor to open up. You'd go through it, it would close <laughs> itself up. And I was like, oh, this is great security, guys. But <laughs> He's got those new magnet doors on the bar. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. I'm hanging out at my girlfriend's house, and it's like, oh, well, time to go home. Well, high school student, and, do, 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 and I'm driving down this hill down towards Highway 68, and you've seen all those hillsides, and driving down. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, like, headlights go out. <laughs> I'm like, huh. At night? Yeah, yeah. And oh. I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is, uh, uh, yeah, it's dark out there, <laughs> yeah. too. This is spicy. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, and, I'll, and, and I get through, and I'm, I'm still, I'm like, okay, well, getting up to the gate, and boom, motor dies. Huh. That's weird. <laughs> and I, uh, I pull up to the gate, and I, I'm sitting there, and I was like, well, diagnose, 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 nothing's on. And then all of a sudden, I can see this little flicker under the hood, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> so I get out. That's an active light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, That's the old school check engine light. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I get out, and it's on fire, and it's like, that's on fire. And I'm like, okay, and I don't have an extinguisher because I'm 16. <laughs> and uh, I go to the little touchpad because luckily it's a gated community. And I enter in the code for my girlfriend's house and she answers the phone. I'm like, what? Like, obviously it's me calling. Why are you calling? I'm like, oh, hey, what's going on? Um, car's on fire. And she's like, no, no, it's not. I'm like, yeah, 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 no, no, no. It's like, oh, yeah, it really is. It's yeah. fully on fire. Like, Call, trust call trust the fire. me, I can see it. Yeah, call yeah. the fire department. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pitter patter, let's go. Uh, Good thing those hills are never dry. Yeah, fully. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
So she comes running down the hill, or comes driving down the hill, and the fire department shows up, puts it all out. And, but, did, yeah. Did it total it? No. I, no? You know, it's an old Nissan, old Datsun, basically. So there's, like, what, 12 wires, including the stereo. Right. The harness so. is just, like, you know, you can literally, like, look at it and trace it. It's oh, not can, a bundle. You can make half of it out of coat hanger if you need to. <laughs> right. So, I got some old speaker wire. We'll be fine. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, we made a new harness stereo for it. doesn't work, but it fires. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so we ended up towing it back to the house, making a new harness for it, and uh, sold it to my brother-in-law, and then my brother-in-law sold it back to me, and then, yeah, and then it and then went off into the wind, one of those things. <laughs> so that was the first one. Did your dad help you rebuild it, like, or, or was it one of these things? Oh, like fully, said, fully. Okay, because he, he was, cool. obviously, he was doing this. Was he rebuilding these cars around the world while in the Air Force, or was he just doing it when so he was in So by Monterey? that time, it was only in the States. No, okay. so he had a 62 Corvette. Which was that cool. was that was the first one that I was around for. So he had that one in Anchorage, Alaska. Whoa, great place for a vet. Oh, dude, right? Fully. Yeah, <laughs> he got it. Lots paint- of ground clearance up there. <laughs> Two months of driving season. Yeah. So, uh, how familiar are you guys with military? Like, uh, so have you ever heard of a hobby shop on military bases? I mean, yeah. Depending on, I mean, under a different name, maybe. Are you talking about like? No, it's it's where it's like the the local like community uh, shop where you can go and do stuff with your family, right? For no, it's for it's a car shop. And yeah, pretty oh, much. No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, pretty much every Air Force base, Army base, Navy base has some sort of what's called the hobby shop. The one at Fort Ord when I grew up in Monterey, Fort Ord, forty bays. Whoa. Ooh. Oh, okay. All of them have air and wind, uh, air and water. Um, all of them have electricity. Full set of tools, kind of thing. Um, well. Then there's a paint booth. There's a couple of alignment racks. There's welders. There's compre- there's six. There's uh, lifts. There's four post lifts. There's two post lifts. There's this, and then there's like a tool cabinet, like straight up, like you work at Boeing and there's a tool cabinet and there's a dude in there and you go out there and you just check out tools and then if you go in there and you're not a not a prick and you're respectful of the tools and you know and you have competence of certain things. Some of the guys there can check you out on certain tools, and all of a sudden, no, oh, you can use this tool, and you can use that tool, and you can right. check out bigger and better tools and you do stuff. You have to get stuff. checked out to use your own tools. They're not your tools. Oh, sorry. Okay, <laughs> got it. Okay. They belong. They belong to the oh. U.S. government. Oh, got it. Belongs to the government. Yeah. <laughs> and so you just go in there, and they've got every tool you could ever imagine. Okay. And it's it's for morale. It's for the it's for. Sure. And so there's there's a Mustang that I was there that when I the ten years that I lived in Monterey at that going there. This Mustang belonged to probably six different people, and it was like Fast and the Furious type thing in, in Tokyo Drift when he's got that Mustang, mm-hmm. and it's literally it was just military guy was working on it, and then you bought it, and then you sold it, and then you got trans, and then you got, yeah. and you were never gonna take it to your next place, and yeah. so you it was just your hobby, and you just spent time, energy, money working on it, and then whatever you had into it, you'd go to the next guy and be like, look, this is what I bought it for, this is what I have into it. Yeah, yeah, take over, get me out, yeah, yeah. and and then it, so so you and and being a, a child of of an officer or somebody in the, in the military, you could go work there. Being a dependent, oh, I had an, I had an ID card okay. until I was twenty one or something like that, okay. and so I could go out there and I could use the tools, I could use the lift stuff like that, and so there was a hobby shop in Alaska. My dad had this sixty two Corvette, and there was a guy in the military that in his former life had been a painter. So he would just kind of hang around the hobby shop, and he'd paint your car. That's cool. And so he would tell you what to do, what the body work to do, and then you would either 
do the body work at the hobby shop or you'd take it home like my dad because my dad had a little carport at his place and so it was easier for him to do it at home but he would do all the body work and then he'd show up and the guy would be like okay well well, you missed a spot here so finish this up better or it's gonna look like shit or finish this up no 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 and then the guy would help you do like the final little sand and then he'd paint it he'd pull it in the booth and squirt it and uh so he ended up buying this corvette had it painted in alaska got it shipped to Virginia because he was stationed at the Pentagon at that time now and then we had this carport and I remember him taking the thing all the way apart like all the way apart he didn't separate the body from the frame but he took everything off it and everything was in baggies just in this carport oh getting ready to transport it no after he would got it painted now he took the whole thing all the way apart and then he did the restoration yeah and it was 327 4 speed 340 horse yeah it's nice nice car uh thing was so cool. So, I mean, obviously, you're learning some mechanical knowledge, which kind of led your your career path here, true? So, when you came out of high school, did you did you go to college after that, or did you go start uh, looking for a mechanical job kind of thing? I played uh, I played a soccer all my life, and then that led to playing football. My senior year of high school was a kicker. I was decent at it, so then I went to the local junior college and played football for a couple of years, and then I had opportunity to uh, go play football for D1, and smashed my knee into a dashboard wrecking a Sunbeam Tiger at Laguna Seca. Ooh. And cool car. Yeah. Painful accident. Lost all my sponsorship, lost all my scholarships because I couldn't kick anymore. Right. Messed up my knee. So wanted to be in cars and ended up getting into street racing. So happens over here all the time. You think you're in your bed. Next thing you know, you're in the Subaru <laughs> down in Kent. Yep. Racing <laughs> the back streets. So we were, we were going to Salinas and... Uh, after running from the cops and... You you didn't still have the Nissan, did you? Like, were you, or were you building other cars? Oh, no, at this point now I had a, because it was the beginning of the sport compact craze. This was 1998. Yeah. Fast and Furious didn't come out until 99. And so... Yeah, a sport compact car and all that had just hit the market. Yeah. And so everybody's building Hondas and I always liked the Euros, so I built a Golf. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, the Golf's... They just you couldn't build the power with with those. You still can't. Yeah. And so I would go hustle people and go lose in the quarter mile and then go beat them in the mile. We'd go a quarter mile within a three quarter mile twisties. So I'd go lose money in the quarter, and they could see that they yeah. were faster than me, but they didn't know that I could outdrive them. So then I'd go hustle money, and so it got to the point where I was going to either end up in jail or dead. Yeah. So I moved to Colorado, got into downhill mountain biking and. Learned how to tune skis and did that for a little bit. A lot of downhill mountain biking around here. Yes. For sure. Tons. It's a huge thing here. Tons. And so many, so much cool stuff. So ended up uh, being out in Aspen, worked there for a couple of years, and then I got a phone call that uh, a guy that I had worked with in California was, they were, uh, Ford was going to now going to race the GT. This was 2003. And Ford was going to race the new GT. And so uh, I had an opportunity to get in on as a mechanic on the program. Oh, cool. And so... Uh, Did you go to mechanical mechanic school for this, though? Mm-mm. Okay. Not yet. Just, just natural... Well, there, are, there are a lot of mechanics out there that have that. No. And so I... Natural knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And I had worked with different people in Monterey, and I'd worked at some different stuff, and I'd worked at some different uh, pretty exclusive shops that were at the Monterey airport. Yeah. Um, there's a business park there that's, like you talked about, that... Uh, yeah. 
there's some cars up there, man, that just you don't even know about. It's just so cool. <laughs> and so I got to work in those. And so by learning some of these things and, and doing that, I got this opportunity. And uh, it turned out that it was all a lie. The guy that it, the guy was a pathological liar. Oh, and so I had like given up my apartment. I had I'd moved my entire life. I'd moved back home into my parents' garage because it was just going to be like a temporary. Yeah. Until I'm off to Detroit, and then it was all the whole thing was a fabrication. So now I was because uh, Ford didn't did they didn't take the new the O3 GT did they take it racing. They did eventually. They did eventually, but I remember, I remember when they when the, the latest body stock came out and they went back to Le Mans. It just yeah. kicked ass. Yeah, but totally. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was a it was a it was a big blow. So I was twenty three, and so that's when I learned about the Jim Russell Mechanics Training Program uh, that was at Sonoma. With that, you basically had to go. You had to pay them to be their mechanic. How does that work? So it's a... Uh, Sounds like a hell of a deal for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's, it's the thing with that, it had been going on for probably 20-something years. It started at Laguna Seca, and then it took it up to uh, Sonoma when Skip Barber and, and Jim Russell switched schools, or switched uh, tracks. It used to be you paid like $1,000, they provided your tools, you had to work on the cars... But you got to drive them. You got to test them. You got to go drive them. Every time we're like, oh, we put a new gearbox in uh, 14. I better go uh, put some laps on it. And, <laughs> and then they had a race series, and they had a customer. So um, they were a Hayashi chassis. You're familiar with the uh, ro- rotary, the Mazda, the Pro Mazda? Oh, yeah. 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 The yes. old school one yep. with the white wing. Yep. You know, the fl- so the school had chassis made out of Japan from Hayashi, the company that made them originally. Um, and then once we got them in the States and they started racing them and wrecking them and fixing them and all this different stuff, that's when Star Mazda came out and they started, that was a, and that's when they did the carbon fiber ones that they had a carbon fiber by a lawn and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, but the Mazdas, they had a fleet of 20 carbureted 13B rotary Mazdas, uh, Hewland four-speed, and they would do a race series. And so they would have group A, group B, group C, group D based on times. And you would pay to do this like 13, 15 race series. And it was Saturday, Sunday. And then next month there'd be a Saturday and a Sunday. And the next month there'd be a, you know, whatever it was. Well, the whole time going to school? (laughs) No, this was, and then there was the, then there was the racing schools. Okay. So that's when you come and do your three-day racing school and get your SCCA license. And then you come back and you do your advanced three-day racing school. Or you come in and do your one-day, you know, toe tip, taste it, do I like racing school. And so we have students that are coming into the driving schools. And then so we are the mechanics that keep the cars running. So Which is easy on rotary engines, right? Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's easy yeah. to keep those going. Super reliable. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> Just when, LS swap it and you're fine. Yep. And yeah. when they're wrecking, you know, Sometimes three cars in a day, seven cars in a day. One time we had 18 cars wrecked in one day. And so uh, by the time I entered into it, ESPN came come on to sponsor it for one year. Okay. Good old Espen. And <laughs> they couldn't agree on a logo. And Is it going to be the Jim Russell Racing School by ESPN or is it going to be the ESPN Russell Racing School? Stuff that really matters. Yeah. So So I show up. I'm... You know, at this age, I'm 23. I'm kind of jaded by racing right now. And want, you need a job. And I need a job, yeah. so I need to do the school to get the job. And I'm getting there, and they're talking about how uh, 
we don't have T-shirts. I'm like, okay, I have T-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't have your toolboxes yet because we didn't agree if we were going to do the snap-ons or the betas. And I'm like, so you guys have been doing this school for like 20 years. Yeah. And you have new students show up every six months. And you don't have T-shirts? And you don't have tools? Like, it was this big thing. And it was just because of all the corporate had now gotten involved on this small school. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time I joined, it was... Because like I said before, it was like $1,000, but it was for the racers that couldn't afford to race. Yeah. So you had to be a mechanic so that you got to race this way. So now this was more, it was $5,000 when I went there, but it was more for people that were super into racing and wanted to be a mechanic, or they really liked being a mechanic and they didn't want to be a streetcar mechanic. They didn't want to go change water pumps on an 84 Buick. Right. But yeah. the, was the school up at Sonoma? It was at the track at Sonoma. Okay. So think, are we there, Have you been there, Dan? I have no. never been there. Okay. I, I know some of our friends that have raced Lemons cars have been there. But mm-hmm. I, yeah. How far is that from, 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 there, from Monterey? Like, were you, tra- were you commuting from Monterey? No, I'm, I ended up moving to, moving up. Okay. to that area. Okay. So it's about like three hours away from Monterey. So then I ended up being at the racing school there. It was... Very eye-opening for me because some of my classmates were very young and they were just there to instead of going to college. Right. Some of them were there because they wanted to race cars, but they couldn't afford it, and so they were doing the mechanic thing. Me, this was, you know, this was, in my mind, like, my college. This was my my last, not my last chance, but it was like, this is, like, I need to... I need to get going, otherwise it's going to be way too late. Well, this is how you get your toe in the door as a mechanic to be able to to, get, to eventually turn it into a racing career. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's hard so. to take on a new trade when you're in your late 20s or early 30s. You start early, you can make a hell of a living at it. But and, jumping and into a trade school later in life is difficult. It's not and, impossible. And being, the 18, yeah. being 18 and crashing on a couch and being 23 and crashing on a couch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it, Physically it sucks, but it's also your, your morale, your mental yeah. state of... Yes, I'm working towards this, but am I getting there? And, and so it, 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 and so all, so I had a driven purpose of being there. It wasn't, it wasn't just to be fun. It was also it was like, let's get this, let's get the piece of paper, and let's get out there and let's start doing this. Sure. So, I uh, went to the school, started doing the thing, working on the cars, meeting people. Uh, but it was it was so fun because, like you said, Laguna Seca, it's a park. That has a racetrack and other stuff. This was a professional race track. You Surrounded can, by vineyards and wine. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also shops. Yeah. Like, there's race shops there. There's... The whole community is based around Sonoma. And, yeah, the and, raceway. There's, and yeah. there's racing. And they don't take, like, Laguna Seca takes the banners down when there's not racing. Yeah. When you go up there, like, there's still all the banners from the last NASCAR race. And That's right. I forgot NASCAR races there. Yeah, and they so have all to turn s- right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so all of a sudden, it's 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 a real racetrack. And I was there. I think my first year, I was there three hundred and twenty something days, three hundred and twenty four days, or something like that in one in one year. And I loved it. And then after work, sometimes eighteen hour days, I was going and working at a Subaru shop and doing performance work at a Subaru shop because I just I loved it. I just it was that's a dark I, hole getting into Subarus. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just loved it. I love and I was now I wasn't sitting there looking at car magazines with my buddies. I was working on real cars. Yeah. And then cars that would be in the magazines are literally getting pushed by by guys like me 
that have just proven their worth, learned, grown. And so all of a sudden, it, it, it uh, racing's circus. Before the circus comes to town, they come up and they put posters. Yeah. Circus is coming to town. Come see the bastes. Come see the wild trapeze. You might see somebody get killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the trucks arrive. And they start to set up the trailers. And they start to set up the tents. And then they start the bringing out all up, yeah. the beasts. And then all the beasts come out of the trent. And then they bring them, and the trainers are there. And, and they're tuning them up. And they're, oh, 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 you're getting too spicy. Oh, this one, oh. And they're getting it, everything's going. And then and then the show comes out. And then the Grand Master comes out, and he introduces everybody. And then the show happens. And you see triumph, and you see defeat, and you may see death. And, and then they start packing up all the beasts and they start putting it all away and then somebody's going to the next town putting up posters that the circus is coming to town <laughs> and it's a good analogy and all of a sudden it was racing the coolest part about being a race car mechanic like a pro race car mechanic on the road was walking in the airport in your travel gear because <laughs> in the rest of the time I worked on a pro team that you weren't allowed within a hundred you weren't allowed to go further than a hundred feet from the trailer you just couldn't see the trailer. You went too far. Just in case they needed you. The hell are you there for? Yeah. You're there to work on the beast. You're not there to go take pictures. You're not there to go try to see if they have really good bratwurst at this stand. No, you work on the thing. If they come in and they want new transmission gears, you're going to go burn your little hands and change the hot gears because there's 12 minutes left in this session. Change the gears. Yeah. So, but then all of a sudden... You've got sponsors. So now when you're changing the gears, you can't change the gears here and get crap all over your shirt. Because all of a sudden they call up on TV and go, why is there crap on my logo? There's not crap on his logo. Oh, man. So now you have to carry hot gears in a pizza tray, pizza tray that's all twisted up. You have to carry it out here because you can't wear an apron. That'll cover up logos. Oh, man, I didn't think about any of that. And you have to do it with a smile. You're a cheerleader. You ever see the cheerleaders and they're always talking about da, 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 and they always have that weird smile on their face the entire time? You, like they got a shot The visual on. you're painting of you in a cheerleading outfit is not one I'm, lo- I'm enjoying. <laughs> I mean, it's not horrible, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But so that's what ends up happening is you are doing this, it's a show. And yeah. so as I learned that the higher up you go in racing, depending upon the team, the less you do. Your job is more defined, you mean? Way more defined. You're the tire guy, you're the transmission guy, you're the brake guy, things like that. And then all of a sudden you get to being, no, you're the left front tire guy. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then I've been on teams where it's like, okay, you dude, those three cars. You're like, huh? Yeah, whatever those three cars need. <laughs> need is, is you, one guy. Yeah. You're like, okay, what, they're in different sessions, right? Well, I was like, the left no. tire guy. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, they, they all have to be yeah. Really, yeah. No, they're all, no, they're all going time. out in 12 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then as you go up, you do less, but you do more because you are cognizant of your shoes matching the logo. If they're not, if they're not even providing you shoes, if they're not providing you a uniform that, that intricate, you don't go out and, Buy shoes with neon yellow if you have neon orange in your logo. Right. Either go buy black shoes or find shoes that have orange in it. And all of a sudden, I started seeing these men and women. I'll never forget this engineer, Ranu. Uh, she was just an amazing, amazing engineer. 
and her professionalism taught me. I still, I still learn things that I didn't understand what she meant. And now, years later, doing stuff, working with my group, working with my staff here at the bar, working in the shop, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's what you meant. Your um, aha moments. Yeah. 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 And it's that the higher up in racing, once you get to, to F1 and you see those guys and you watch them get hit by a car coming in and they stand up and they move, they don't run. They finish the job and then, yeah. and you're like, you bleed over the barrier, son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and it's this, and it's, it's a, it's a mindset and it's, and you watch it as, it's just to see how fast people do things, how accurately they do it and with precision. And it's not by chance and it, it's that. And so it was fun to go through different levels of racing because, I mean, I started at Soapbox Derby. And then to be able to be at Montreal and to be in the F1 pit lanes and we were doing a support race and to have the F1 mechanics from Ferrari come over and say, hey, would you like us to turn on all of our monitors so that you can watch the circuit? Because we just happen to be right there with all of our little, you know, we have like little wagons that we have to run up with because they have all their stuff permanently <laughs> right, yeah, set up yeah. for the weekend. And they've got uh, they've got all these monitors and it's all carbon fiber and all red and all these monitors. And he goes, you want us to turn it on? And it's like, this is too cool. He's like, don't touch anything. You can't sit here, but you can watch all the monitors. And we're sitting there, we're checking it down, we're checking it out. Get back to work. <laughs> and we're just sitting there and we're watching and, hey, can I ask you a question? He goes, yeah, what's up? I go, why do you guys have that extra monitor there? This one, it's like because all of them are all gorgeous in this, yeah, carbon fiber housing, and this one looked like it was kind of added on there. It's like, what's that one for? He's like, oh, we have twenty-one monitors. So he's like, oh, McLaren has twenty, <laughs> and just turned around. <laughs> <laughs> one more. I think I think we're about ready for our first break. Our second, second break. break are we yeah. Not? yeah, yeah. It's time for our second yeah. break. But uh, we'll talk more when we get back. I want to know how you got into Washington and then to the tavern. We'll be right back. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. And we're back. Um, so I never want to leave. I know. <laughs> You've made an early life of racing at the track and everything else. Um, we are going to get into the rest of that uh, on our next episode, actually. This is a two-part episode because you have actually worked a lot up here, and a lot of people know you from that up here. But I want to get into just while we are here, how did you get into the Mount Sai Tavern? Motorcycles. Motorcycles? Yeah. Tell us about your love of motorcycles a little bit. Because you have so you have a really cool motorcycle collection. Really cool. I'll just step out here, not being the motorcycle guy here. So well, you know, the, there's <laughs> one that you recognize right oh, away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is pretty cool. But, I mean, you have an impressive shop. Thank you for the tour earlier. But, oh, thank you. Thank so, you. Tell us, let's tell the listeners about the story of how you acquired the Mount Sai Tavern. So, I uh, was living in Bellevue. I would ride my motorcycle, a little Triumph, out to this bar. And I just absolutely fell in love with this place. It, it looks like a dive bar. It feels like a dive bar. 
It has been a dive bar since 1923. Yeah. 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 Yes. It's, it's, there's dollar bills on the walls. There's, uh, uh, posters in the bathroom of, you know, the eighties, a bar, uh, bathroom, uh, 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 bathing suit girls. Mm -hmm. Like it's just lots of good quotes on the wall. Most of them we can't say on the air. Oh man. There's a couple of behind you that I just been laughing at. Yeah. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. And it was one of those things where the place is very, very friendly. And I met the, I met the owner, uh, almost immediately. I told him just kind of joking around, but you know. There's truth in every joke. I'm just like, hey, man, you ever want to sell this place? Let me know. Ended up moving here about five years ago, moving to North Bend, and started just be, you know, I, I knew I was going to drink here. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> Someplace you can stumble home from. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. <laughs> uh, the very first time I came in here, I made friends with uh, with one of the bartenders. I'm still good friends with him. Him and his fiance go on vacation with us. Like, I felt at home. Yeah. I have a, uh, I have a train horn on one of my trucks. And if I give two blasts of my train horn, my beer will be sitting on the on the counter. I don't have to order. <laughs> and so I kept telling the I kept telling the owner, "You want to sell this place? Let me know. You want to sell this place? Let me know." One day he goes, "Hey, I want to sell this place." And I was like, "Really?" And he goes, "I want to sell it to you." And I was like, "Okay, I'm honored." Yeah, because you don't just sell this a, a place like this Mm-mm. to the first guy that comes down the road. You got to kind of prove yourself. This is well, and that's different. The, and that's the thing. And so. Uh, my landlord, he owned this place. He's owned it for probably 30, 35 years, but he ran the bar 20-something years ago. And then when he decided he didn't want to run the bar anymore, he sold the business, but he kept the land. Mm. And he sold the business to the guy. And the guy started changing this and started changing that and started doing all this stuff. And Mike came in there and said, nope, here's your money back. I'm taking my bar back. You're not changing my bar. So then it went through a couple other owners. And then... uh now we've got it, and it's just, I've always loved this place. It's, and it's like I said, I want it to look like a dive bar. I want it to feel like a dive bar. But you want everything to work. So you had to do, no- <laughs> so you had to do nothing. No. Well, we, uh, as one of our very, very wonderful, kind patrons said after we came in, they said, well, there's something different. You changed something. I can tell. Ah, you got rid of the smell. <laughs> and I was like, well, if that's the only thing that you're going to say we got rid of, then that's, yeah, that's perfect. Part of the character, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I also wanted to change the food. I wanted to make the food better because before it was it was a yeah. little dive bar food. Yeah, we've been into plenty of dive bars. We have a menu, and it's literally a toaster oven, if you're lucky. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anything was, you want from Costco, we'll make it in the oven. Yeah. Yes. They got Chef Mike. Pretty much. I was yeah. in a dive bar in outside of Dublin, and they had – Two things in the menu. They had the like the chips and stuff you could just pull off the counter and mm-hmm. stuff, but they had sandwiches. You could have mm-hmm. a ham and cheese sandwich or a cheese sandwich. <laughs> and the cheese was just one with ham pulled off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. They were all pre-made. You just took the ham off and put it on the other sandwich. And if you order correctly at the end of the week, you get the one with all the ham on it. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, you, did, you, did you buy the business and the building? So we're in the process of building the building. So we're... Okay. Buying the little house next door that comes on it because it got you know we want to have the building and then we also uh, once live music comes back so right now we're renting the little house next door so that when live music comes back that'll be a place for the band to be able to stay um, and so that way we can get bands from uh, farther away and because right now a lot of the times the band would show up play and then they have to break down load up and leave right and so now it's just like leave everything set up come have a drink yeah hang out hang out, out the next morning crash, man. that's pack up leave. 
that's really cool because now you're making it a destination for not only for people but for, for the bands. bands. Like they're like, you can go play this awesome spot where we can just hang out and chill and just have fun being a band and not like totally work until four in the morning. And uh, and I'm a, a by you know one of my thousand hobbies is you guys <laughs> saw my little studio that I've been building at the house. Yeah, and so. I want to be able to offer, like, yeah, you can come to my bar, and I'm going to make you sound awesome. Like, I guarantee, because I want it to sound good, because I have to listen to it. I want my, my people to listen to it. And I want you to sound good, because... He should book Rascal Flats. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I love, I love country music, but somebody needs to do something with them. No, okay, sorry. Okay. I'll write the email. Dear Rascal Flats. Dear Rascal Flats. You should you come suck. here. <laughs> okay, you, yeah. just, you leave it, but you scratch yeah, it out. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, uh, I mean, you're awesome. You're stuff. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> sorry. It's unique. It's just the first thing in my head. I'm like, you covered a one hit wonder country song, and you still sucked at it. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. Life is a highway. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Even that guy was disappointed, right? Me. But anyway, there's no. <laughs> So yeah, so we Tom are uh, Tom Cochran, I think his name was. Yeah, yeah. So we're in the process of uh, getting the land and getting that all going up, and because uh, they're doing a lot of building right now in North Bend, a lot of building. So yeah, yeah. So I'm just twisting the knife in my heart as I look for property. Oh man, seriously. It's what are squatters' rights out, like out here? I know because we'd move I, into I your found shop. This, I found this property <laughs> earlier tonight. That, um, <laughs> I, it's big enough that I don't know if he'd know if we were there. <laughs> just saying, yeah. <laughs> We'd have to poop in the corner, but other than that, yeah, we haven't done. We've done that in the dive bar before. Home Depot buckets. <laughs> so yeah, oh, Home Depot buckets. Yeah, you got the Christmas <laughs> buckets. Right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> bumper dumper. Yeah, bumper, bumper dumper. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> For every classic rap. I'm gonna take a photo of that. You guys gotta check that out. Yeah. Our listeners would be like, "What in the world?" Yep, it's true. Oh yeah, no, yeah, go to yeah, check it out. Bumper dumper. Yep. Uh, Free plug. Yeah, no. Boom boom. Unplug. Yeah. Yeah, you will. Uh, so going to Baja. Yeah. With the trucks. Yeah. Uh, you will notice that there is a roll of toilet paper in every truck I own. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have one. And wipes. Yeah. We learned our lesson. Oh, yeah. Jambalaya on a Friday does not equal off-roading on a Saturday. Well, no. Uh, no, it does not. And <laughs> as my Canadian uh, snowmobile friends told me, that you uh, can't take a shit without your shit tickets. <laughs> so if you don't have ah. shit tickets, you can't go take it. Tickets to the shit show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I'm still not sold on the bumper dumper. I'm just going to say it. Because there's a driving issue. Because if you drive forward, then all of that stuff, you're basically dragging your feet through it. If you drive backwards, then the person's eventually going to see what you did. No, you back into the bank to where it's the ditch. So you're over the ditch. I see. Okay. I've thought about this. Oh, okay. We're fine. Okay, good. I got you covered, man. No more pooping in the snow. Yay me. <laughs> yeah, you just get on the bu- I'm the gumbo You guy. get on the dumper. You back over the ditch. I see. And okay. then when you're ready, I just pull forward. Ah, got it. Okay, good to know. So yeah. I got you, man. Yeah. Pro tip on that is <laughs> you... God... Go to a top of a mountain, and you just back, back out. off a cliff. No, not over the <laughs> cliff, because that starts to get that'll that'll like scare it out of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the point. But give yourself a view. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had a view. It was a wonderful view. Scenic, scenic, scenic view. Dump. Yeah, scenic view. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, you can just pre-drill a series of holes, and then you just drive forward and drive forward and drive forward. That works too. I didn't think about Bathrooms that. Bathrooms here are nice. I can attest to that. I, they are. <laughs> they are. That was one of the things that we tore them apart and you did a nice job thank you thank you that was one of the things is you know everything has a silver lining everything yeah. always has a silver lining so we took over the bar june 1st like we couldn't even be open when we took over the bar yeah so we took that time is when when do you get to shut down a bar yeah when, when do you, exactly everything you have to do happens to happen between 2 a.m and noon so 
having the bar be shut down for the first two weeks we owned it actually was a blessing in disguise because we were able to come in here, get some work done, tear some things up, get move some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get rid of the stench. I never thought it was that bad. No. no when you open the front door and the back door, it kind of blew out. But it's, you know. No, we have been in dive bars where, like, the first thing you walk in and you smell piss. Yep. We have been in those bars. Oh, yeah. Which are What's the dive bar down on the Oregon coast we always go to? In uh, what is that place? Oh, that that one needs. A, yep, a, that one does. Well, to be fair, that's a <laughs> dive bar slash laundry mat. So yes. Oh, yeah. a sit and spin. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. 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 Anything yeah, from bleach Costco. and piss. That's what bleach it smells like. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. High school. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we went, so we went to different high schools. Uh, <laughs> so you got the tavern, uh, and it's awesome and so, yeah. the food menu i saw you guys got two big smokers out back now what is the plan for reopening have you got any inside news are you shut down until the 21st like everything else so or whatever as it is? of right now we do have an outdoor patio so we can do outdoor seating okay but the weather out here has been so gnarly a couple of the other places in town have tried doing tents one of them has had the roof ripped off the tent a couple times yeah, it's windy out here people it, don't think about that it, it gets insanely windy yeah. and then at the end of the day it's cold yeah. For my staff, they, you know, obviously they have their hourly, but it's service industry. They work on tips. Yeah. And if people aren't coming in, they're not getting tips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now, for the safety of our staff and just for financial reasons for them, by being closed, it allows them to go on unemployment. Yeah. Which is just so frustrating with, with everything that's going on right now and coming into the holidays. So. Uh, we're doing everything we can to help them out, obviously. But yeah, we're not exactly in a small business friendly state. <laughs> this no. is not a small business friendly time, no. especially state. No, no, they care about businesses. Remember, they they cancel everything except Black Friday. That means they care about businesses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, did I say it again? Oops. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 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 Don't worry, you can't get COVID out if you're in a tent. <laughs> I don't know. I drove oh, no. through Woodenville today, and, like, all the wineries have these giant tents set up. And yep. I'm like, at what point is this a freaking building? <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> and, and there's... and there's, Sorry, I'm just annoyed. No, but, and there's very defined rules of... So, I'm a racer. Yeah. So, people come into the bar all the time when we were open, and, hey, David, what's your political standpoint on this? What do, what do you vote? What, do you, what is your thought on this? What's your thought on all this? And uh, I told everybody, being a racer, there's certain rules. Just so we're clear, racer. Racer. Not a racist. A no. racer. <laughs> race car, race race car, car driver. enthusiast, yeah. race oh, car yeah, driver. Yeah, yeah. Motorcycle racer. As yes. a motorsports enthusiast. There you go. There, there you, you go. go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's rules. Yeah. The rule book says what you can and can't do. So it's our job to find out what they didn't say. But in the rules, it says that you have to wear fireproof socks. You have to. You have to wear fireproof socks. And at the end of the race, they come up and go, hey, uh, I want to see the inlet of your carburetor. I want to see that your helmet's in spec, and let me see your fireproof socks. Uh, well, I was running around and forgot, and uh, I got my regular socks on today. Okay. You're disqualified. You lose your points for the race. You lose your points for the championship. So now you've not won the race today. You have not won the championship. That could affect you. So people would ask me what I think about the masks. People would ask me what I think about having, and it's like, well, if I, people don't have their masks on and liquor control comes in here, I lose my liquor license. They could warn me, but they could take away my liquor license. And so it stops being about what I think or what I care. It's, these are the rules. 
this is what you have to do to do this. And so for us to be open, we had to do these things. And so it changes the way you interact with people. But at the end of the day, the whole point of the bar, the whole point of the public house was that public, that community, that interaction. Yeah. So if people weren't willing to follow the rules so that we could all go race or that we could all come play at the pub, then it was kind of all for naught. But now with, with the, if it would, if it was summer and we could only do outside. Yeah, you're fine. We'd be open. Yeah. But it's 40 something degrees. Windy. 20 something mile an hour winds. And then when it rains, it's like, like in throwing ice at you. Yeah. You can have a tent, but if it has more than two sides, it has to have positive ventilation you uh has to be heated by a non combustible so it can't be a propane heater seating areas need to be given like 10 minutes of airing time between and wiped down and uh, and so all of a sudden it's just it starts being like you're gonna mess up yeah they want you to and they want you to yeah yeah so, so they can f- you're shut down and then they can fine you yep yeah. with all that money you're not making oh dude the uh the the local city government just started following my my bar's Facebook page today. Ruh-roh. And I was thinking to myself, it's like, why? So you can see if I'm doing something and then just literally like just mail me a fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I'll, I'll literally get it on Facebook. I'll probably have to pay it through Facebook. <laughs> but it was... But Facebook it, Marketplace. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Yeah. And would you like to boost this post? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and $5 so, goes to Zuckerberg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I was just like, you Androids know... are expensive. <laughs> you know, those droids aren't cheap, man. They keep making those Zuckerbergs. But they... Uh, it's, it's like you said. They're they're waiting. You're in a different You're seeing it in a different way than some of us are. Oh yeah. Because I'm sitting there sure. going, my favorite dive bar is not open. But I'm not <laughs> thinking about it in the fact of what it would cost you to open and build a tent and build air conditioning and build heating and build. Yeah. yeah. Why can't you just take the doors off and act, say it's a tent? <laughs> <laughs> it has positive airflow. It does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to take the doors off. This Fuck place that. is pretty leaky. Just, just get the, just I get mean, the, there's, there's a couple of places I can show you that you can see daylight when you're no. out. And you're like, whoa. Get those freezer doors, like the old, like, like the hanging rubber that went over each other. Oh, get yeah. Those. yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go, right. Yeah. yeah. The old meat packing, yeah. like, slapping <laughs> things. A couple of Bed Bath & Beyond shower curtains. We could do this, boys. I'm <laughs> telling you. So, you know, yeah. Oh yeah, that's no. good stuff. Uh, so did, we never did answer the question. Are you, do you guys have a date you can actually reopen? No, There's nothing no. yet. No, no. Um, I think so, but I had to ask. Yeah, so everything has been kicking the can every time they do it, and with unfortunately with the West Coast, as soon as somebody does something, the other states just follow. And California being super locked down right now, we're just waiting for the next round of whatever it's going to be. And so, oh, but here's another fun one. So when they did the first lockdown in, in March and they'd had that, uh, the, the business stimulus that came out. Yeah. You could get, uh, for employees, size, blah, 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 as long as you had. You can use the loan to pay the employees. As you, long use it the, wasn't, you didn't have to repay the loan. Yep. Yeah. As long as the employees were working for you before February 24th. Well, when they got to this last shutdown just now, they went right back to that. Okay. Well, I didn't own this place until June 1st. Uh. So technically, and I had to fire all the, oh, the previous owner had to fire all the employees because I didn't buy his business. I start, I bought the business from another, from then I started, da, 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 mm-hmm. 
So I had to hire all the employees back. Yeah. So their hire date was June 1st. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. And my business owner date is June 1st. Mm-hmm. So by starting the business in the pandemic, I don't qualify for anything. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. Ouch. This is depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. So, yeah. So, as of right now, we've we've talked about doing takeout food, but at the end of the day, we're not known for that, and we've been a dive bar for so long with, with dive bar food that now we have good food, and we could do some stuff, but people don't know us for that, and so all of a sudden... You have to build a reputation before you, people can yeah, rely on that. Yeah. yeah. And then, so, t- we'd end up wasting a lot of food, and we're wasting a lot of time and energy, and... Yeah, and you got your killer setup for food. This is no longer crappy dive bar food. No, you, I've seen the menu. No, it looks you, delicious. Yeah. I can't wait to come check it out Like when you guys are open. Yeah, we were smoking 200 whole chickens a week. We were doing st- uh, stuffing <laughs> with, uh, with with chicken. We were doing uh, flat. That's a lot of weed. Everybody, anytime somebody <laughs> talks about chickens, I think about Blues Brothers. I mean, two whole fried chickens, some dry white toast, and a Coke. Dude, so I talk you about wings it. or thighs. When, when two whole fried chickens. <laughs> so when I talk about with having bands, when we, get, yeah. when we have live music, I, I want to offer that we'll hang yeah. chicken wire in front of it, and we'll do the full chicken shack. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Make him play rawhide over yeah, and exactly. over again. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say straight up Roadhouse. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the sh- Dalton. The get, name yeah. is Dalton. Yeah. Get like the sugar beer bottles that you can throw at things. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, because that's what you want to do. Teach these people to throw things. <laughs> Where could that go wrong? Well, this uh, we're, we got to wrap up this episode, but this is part one of two because your motorsports history didn't stop, obviously, with you down in California. In fact, you are heavily involved now. And more importantly, when this place opens back up, I, I hope our listeners take note because this is an awesome spot for all you motorcycle riders. Like, if you're a motorsports enthusiast, trust me. You want to come check this place out. Not only that, it's a great spot to start to rallies, drives, everything, because you guys are right on the uh, the three-pass or four-pass loop if you're feeling really ambitious. But it's a great spot up on right off I-90. So super quick, super easy to meet, good food, awesome place. Oh, yeah, we've got the uh, up at the truck stop up here. We've got a Tesla charging station now. We've got a gas station that does ethanol-free yeah. for anybody that's got cool cars and they don't want to make – Motorcycles, kind of especially motorcycles. You guys with the sleds. You guys don't want to run ethanol. Um, yeah. So yeah. So this is a great, like you said, a great rendezvous point uh, to then go meet up, go fuel up, go do a thing, and go do some pass blast. Head up on your way up on to go do some off roading. But um, as for the Avant side, uh, obviously all the Avant stuff going forward has been canceled. Mm-hmm. Till further notice. Yeah. Till further notice. Obviously not. You know, Avant is doing great. In fact. Good news on Avance episode or issue number two of the Avance magazine. Nick and I both have an article that we co-wrote in there about Subies up on the Stampede Pass. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. We've talked about it. We we couldn't talk about it until it came out, but that was was a really fun day to do that. Yeah. And now that it's out, we helped with the Lotus photo shoot. If you were a Lotus fan, even if you're not, you can't argue the iconic (laughs) brand that is Lotus. We did an awesome photo shoot with some awesome people at Pacific Raceways. I mean, that's fun. That, that was, was fun really too. fun. Yeah, yeah. There's some really, really good stuff in here. Like I said, if you're a Road Rat fan, if you like magazines of a more personal flavor, of a more different flavor, this is not Motor Trend Car and Driver standard car reviews of specs. This is like actual get-to-know-people, really cool stuff in there. We can't wait for you guys to yeah, check it I out. I think there's a really cool Dirtfish article, and there's also an article for on remote control cars, I think. Yeah, so that'd be fun. Such a yeah. Cool, yeah, it's a really good mix. Yep. You guys got to check it out. Available <laughs> at any place that's an Avance partner, so uh, Park Place, Metropolitan, you, you name it. And if you're an Avance member, I think they will send it to you. Yeah, yeah, you should yeah. have one. If you, yeah. if you updated your address on Avance.com, 
dick. It'll be in your mailbox. I sent Adam a message this week. It was too late to get this one. It's too late to get the episode that I helped write. So, yeah, it's okay. We're good. But anyway, when we come back next week, you'll have episode two because we're going to talk about motorcycles, Baja, more road racing, dirt fish, everywhere else you have been because you have done a lot. And a lot of our a lot of our listeners, a lot of our friends know you well beyond this. But, uh, man, I would love to say come visit us at Mount Sai Tavern. But, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen for a little while. But it'll still be here when it's ready. So well, I promise we'll be here. Yes, and so we, will we will tell you yeah. when it's here because <laughs> yeah. we will come back and do a show from here and yeah. uh, get you guys all hyped up. We'll do a little uh, Rain City Supercars RCS meet at the Mount Sai Tavern. Oh, heck that yeah, That'll be heck a yeah. fun time. That'll be yeah. awesome. Excellent. Well, until the next episode, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. <laughs>